Listener discretion is strongly advised. Sometimes this podcast contains themes of a sexual nature in relation to the crimes that we talk about. This podcast contains triggers such as violence and or abuse and sometimes contains adult language. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back to another episode of If I Go Missing. Today we're going to talk about the curious case of Brandon Lawson. Brandon Lawson was 26 years old when he went missing on August 8, 2013. It's a puzzling case for many reasons. Not only was Brandon in contact with his brother Kyle moments before he disappeared, they were also in the same area and possibly only even yards apart. A little bit about Brandon is that he worked in the oil fields, often working long hours, sometimes even ending a work week with 95 hours on the books. The stress had just become too much, and he decided to apply for a new job. And he got the new job, and he was lined up to start very soon. By all standards, it looked like things were kind of looking up for him. Brandon also struggled with drugs, and that was the one thing that he and Ladessa really fought about. Ladessa is his fiance, or by the state laws of Texas, his common law wife. The night before Brandon went missing, he had not come home at all. Our story is going to start on August 8, 2013. According to some relatively new information given to fellow podcasters over at Crawlspace from Kyle Larson, Brandon's brother, Brandon had been trying to get Kyle to help him get drugs for him or help him buy some, something. He needed Kyle's help to get drugs, basically. And it's thought that this drug is most likely meth. Up to this point, it hadn't been confirmed. And Kyle does later on confirm it. But still, at this point in the story, it was just assumed. Fast forward to late in the night, August 8th, 2013, when a very tired Brandon arrives home. His exhaustion only grew worse when he began arguing with his fiance, Ladessa Lofton, Brandon's girlfriend of 10 years, mother of their three children, and stepmom to Lawson's eldest daughter, was infuriated by his absence because of his recent drug relapse. The two fought and he left. Brandon's fight with Ladessa seems to have been about drugs. After their argument, which is said to be a big one, like major, Brandon calls his brother at some point to tell him to make sure Ladessa doesn't touch any of his things while he wasn't home. Kyle then tells his brother she hadn't touched anything and then Kyle gave the phone to Ladessa and then Brandon and Ladessa continued to argue. Yeah, I can see that one coming. But what doesn't he want her touching? I don't know, it's very interesting. Like, what would she, what would she touch? I don't know. I don't know, with that elaboration from his brother, you won't know. I guess so. It's just interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's... I mean, is it, is it drugs she doesn't, he doesn't want her to touch? Like, she doesn't want her to throw away his drugs? I don't know. Or does he think she's going to sell something of his to pay a bill or something? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Brandon's brother Kyle returns home and showers and changes his clothes, but then... Poor Kyle gets a call from his mother to go back to Brandon and Ladessa's house to calm Brandon down because 
Brandon had actually left, but then he came back. And this time when he came back, he was, quote, tripping and flipping out. Yeah. That coming back part always goes, yeah. Mm, yeah. Like, yeah. He thought of something good. When Kyle gets to the house, Brandon has already left this time. And so he asks Ladessa, you know, what happened? And she tells her basically the same thing that his mom told him. You know, Brandon was tripping and flipping out on me. So Brandon calls his father around 11.30 p.m. Then leaves his family's home at 11.53 p.m. Intending to drive to his father's house in the town of Crowley, which is like a three and a half hour drive away. That late at night. So he left about... 11.53 p.m. By midnight, Ladessa was worried about Brandon's state of mind behind the wheel. So she called him and, you know, asked him not to go all the way to Crowley. It was already after midnight, and she said, you know, instead of you making that really long three-and-a-half-hour drive, why don't you just go five miles down the road to your brother's house? So it seems by everything that transpired that Brandon does switch gears and starts driving north on Highway 277 towards Abilene, abandoning his journey towards his father's home along Highway 67. However, this doesn't necessarily mean that he took Ladessa's advice just because he turned his car around. We don't know where he was going or what he was doing. Some people even suggest that he may have been trying to take like a back road to his dad's home because he had a bench warrant out for his arrest. So that's why a lot of people think it's highly plausible that he was still headed to his father's home. But, you know, kind of after talking to Ladessa and hearing her say, you know, it is late at night. He was like, yeah, you know, maybe I should take, you know, some back roads and avoid some cops. Just in case they want to pull me over because it's really late at night and people generally aren't driving at midnight. Doesn't that sound a little lucid and forethinking for someone who just a minute ago was flipping out and freaking out and going crazy and now somebody's like, let me use logic. I've got this bench warrant and I better take a back road. And so all of a sudden he turned a switch to, I'm completely lucid and let me think ahead of what could happen. It, you know, doesn't that seem like now he's really with it? Like drugs are gone. I'm happy now. <laughs> Had a nap. I'm good to go. You know? <laughs> what is it? Prue says on charm. Stairs can be sobering. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Well, so, well, yeah, I mean, that does kind of sound a little ridiculous now that you mention it. So, it's probably more likely with that that he just kind of took Ladessa's suggestion, kind of the drug-induced state. Like, okay, that sounds like a good idea. Let's whip it around. Makes a little more sense. Yeah. Okay. We'll go with that one then. <laughs> it's all theory anyway. It is. <laughs> Also, during this time, Brandon's truck was almost out of gas. So, he was going to try to make the 30-minute drive to Stripe's convenience store and gas station. And I don't know if that needle really looked like, you can make it. Or if it was like the drugs making the needle look like, no, nah, we got this. It just sounds like poor Brandon was really having a bad night. He really was. I mean, God bless the boy. Not only was he not thinking, just go five miles down the road to my brother's house, but I'm going to go four hours home almost and then I can make it on this empty truck not only to the 30-minute convenience store but to my dad's house yeah yeah Brandon wasn't um he wasn't clear he was having some issues poor guy 
the next timestamp we have for this case is 12.34 a.m. Ladessa misses a call from Brandon. 12.36 a.m. Ladessa misses another call from Brandon. Right before the clock struck 12.30 a.m., like literally minutes before, Brandon tells Kyle that Ladessa got, quote, Mexicans from the neighborhood to chase him out of town, and there are two of them still chasing him, but a state trooper pulled over the third one. And Kyle asked his brother if he was tripping. Yeah. <laughs> He's yeah, like, um, is it drugs causing you to hallucinate me? I'm like, what is going on with you? Yeah, because um, that's a story. Like, that's, a, that's a story there. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, why would he come up with, she got Mexicans from the neighborhood to chase him out of town? I don't know. Yeah. Brandon, you'd be tripping, dude. Yeah. Well, Brandon denied that he was tripping. And he denied that all of this was just in his head. But Kyle has since later stated that he isn't assuming his brother was on meth the night he went missing. But he knew for a fact that his brother was on meth that night. Yeah, I gotta go with Kyle on this one. Kyle stated in an interview that he himself has used meth before but has never hallucinated because of it. But he also said that Brandon has OD'd before. Well, snap. And that while meth would cause him to act differently, he has never acted like he did on the night of his disappearance. Kyle also said that he does not think Ladessa had anybody chase him out of town either. Oh, that's good to know. Um, so I guess Ladessa's in the clear, poor girl. Exhaustion. Um, don't know. Don't know if he added anything to the meth. Yeah, you know, I mean, had I a beer with the meth, or I, I know weed can be laced with things, so they sometimes they'll roll it up. Yeah. But I don't know. I don't even know how you. I, even know I have how no you, idea. Mm -mm. I have no idea how you do math. So. And all the things that I have to Google on my phone for research for this show, I really don't want to have to Google that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'm already on the FBI's list. <laughs> but that's okay. I've heard several of my other favorite podcast shows say the same thing. So we're all going down together. <laughs> but yeah, interesting court cases. Yeah. <laughs> like look. <laughs> Well, then when they find all the pictures for the Instagram page on my phone, I'm really dead. I'm gone. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, I, again, like I said, I don't know, because I've often thought the same thing, too. Like, I wonder if that myth could have been laced with anything. Like, yeah, I mean, no. yeah. you know, maybe speculation. Maybe he got into a fight with his dealer. Maybe they had some disagreement, and his, and his dealer was like, I'm going to lace this crap, and bye. You know, I mean, and sometimes the dealers don't even know what it's laced with. They just deal it. They don't even make it. Well, I don't mean to like hurt a dealer's feelings or talk down a dealer or anything like that, but they're not totally reputable, you know. So maybe he got a cheap batch and he's selling for the same price, and it's got some funky stuff in it. You, know, you don't know. That's one reason we don't do street drugs. <laughs> you know, you don't know. You don't know. Last time they used. Hand sanitizer to make it, and this time. Oh God, no, no. Uh -uh. <laughs> this time they're using full-blown alcohol. Who? Know, I mean, who knows? It just, yeah, not a good idea, kids. Stay away from it. Also, it's important to note, according to Ladessa, the calls that Brandon made to her were all missed because she left her phone charging in the car. She did speak to Kyle, and he did inform her that Brandon was out of gas. So Ladessa told Kyle, "You know, I'll leave the gas can on the front porch for you, and I'll be in the shower." 
So, with her phone out of sight and out of mind and in the van to charge overnight because she didn't have a house charger, Ladessa missed several calls from both Kyle and Brandon. She went to sleep that night expecting Brandon would be back in the morning and he wasn't. After Brandon hung up the last call, he called Kyle again. It was 12.38 a.m. and Brandon tells his brother Kyle that he's out of gas and needs help. So Kyle says, all right, ma'am, but I'm going to have to stop back by your house to get some gas cans. And Brandon's like, all right, fine, do what you got to do, come help. So also important to note, Ledessa says that the calls made by Brandon to her were missed because she left her phone charging in the car. But she did speak to Kyle and he informed her that Brandon was out of gas. Ladessa told Kyle she would leave a can on the front porch and she'd be in the shower. With her phone out of sight and out of mind, Ladessa missed several calls from both Kyle and Brandon. When she went to sleep that night, she expected Brandon would be back in the morning, but that's not how it happened. With all that going on, though, I feel like I would have been checking my phone multiple times all night. Oh, even if I had to go out to the car and come back. Uh, yeah. So, Kyle's plan to help Brandon was a lengthy one. It was not as simple as just picking up those gas cans and taking gas to the broke-down truck. Kyle was still waiting for his last paycheck to clear. So, he would have to pick up the gas can, drive out to where Brandon was stranded, get the money from him, Go get the gas and return back to Brandon's truck. You know, I'm just going to let them blow right off or else we're going to both be cracking up and not be able to do this. Yeah. But, um. Yeah. <laughs> just going to say that's how my chicken and my, that's how my, chicken and my saving works. <laughs> yeah. I got my money to my savings account. It's going to take three to four business days to get it from my chicken to my savings. There's no way to get past it. Oh, my God. That was backwards. No, I got all, all my monies in my savings. It's going to take three or four days to get in my checking account. And that's the time my bank account set up. There's, there's <laughs> no way to get around that one. Come on, man. Oh, Sorry, boy. Kyle. Yeah, amen. Okay. 12.40 a.m., Kyle then reaches Brandon and Ledessa's home to get the gas can. Then he heads out of town with his wife at the time. Some said wife, some said girlfriend. So, sorry for any confusion. And his four-year-old son. The brothers then kept making calls to one another, but Kyle said Brandon wouldn't have a full conversation with him. He would more or less say a sentence or two before hanging up. Hanging up or getting cut off? It said hanging up, but yeah. it honestly, in, in like the back areas, it could be either. Yeah. Yeah, because back, you know, rural areas like we live in, whatever, you lose, you lose, um, reception mm -hmm. back in those back roads and stuff so we have now gone into the next day it is august 9th 2013 at 12 a.m after brandon hung up with his brother the last time a terrified frantic brandon also called 911 the dispatcher had a difficult time deciphering a great deal of what brandon was saying but they were able to make out the following Yes, I'm in the middle of a field and then some inaudible garble. Push some guys over right here going towards Abe Lane on both sides. My truck ran out of gas. There's one guy here. The guy's chasing an audible garble into the woods. Please hurry. He also told the dispatcher, we're not talking to him. Some more inaudible garble. I told you I ran into him. That's the first guy. When the dispatcher asked Brandon if he needed an ambulance, he replied, no, I need the cops. 
and after that, the connection went dead. And I actually have the original audio from the call, but I was also able to dig up a separate audio clip. I'll play the first one, and then I'll play the second one afterwards, because the second clip has been adjusted. In an attempt to try to make out what Brandon is saying, pauses were inserted in between some of his sentences, because he was just out of breath, and basically everything was like a big run-on sentence. So it was very hard to understand. His words were also slowed down a little, and the operator's voice was removed in an attempt to help us focus solely on Brandon's voice. No, I did not make this audio. I found it, and there is a link in the show notes. But this audio was altered only to be more helpful. Nothing was taken out from anything Brandon was saying. Nothing was added in. So it was not altered in that type of fashion. It is the true wording. It is just made to be more understandable. Full disclosure. Here is the original audio. 9, 2, 000, 13, 0, 50, and 38 seconds. 911 emergency. Yes, I'm in the middle of the field. The state police just pushing guys over. Right here going towards Gasoline on both sides. My truck ran out of gas. There's one car here. I checked the, the woods. Please hurry. Okay, now run that by me. No, we're not talking to him. Hi, so we ran into him. Ah, you ran into him. Okay. Got the first guy. Do you need an ambulance? No, I need the cops. Okay. Is anybody hurt? Hello? Hello? Okay, now, this is the enhanced audio. Yes, I'm in the middle of the field. It's like we're just pushing guys over. Right here going towards gasoline on both sides. My truck ran out of gas. There's one car here. I got to take the piece to the woods. Please hurry. The one I talked to him. Hi, Shirley, you're in his home. That's the first guy. You need an ambulance? Yes. Yeah. No, I need the calls. 12.48 a.m., Ladessa misses another call from Brandon. 12.51 a.m., Kyle calls Brandon and leaves a voicemail. 12.54 a.m., Brandon calls Ladessa, no answer. 12.57 a.m., Brandon calls his neighbor, don't look at me. I don't know. Well, I'm assuming that he was hoping I can get the neighbor and I can say, can you please go there and get Ladessa to answer her phone? She's not answering. Again, isn't this very logical for somebody that's been tripping on meth all night? Yeah, I, I, that's what I'm thinking. I'm like, all right, why would it? Okay, wait a cottontail minute. This doesn't even make sense because, I mean, he's really thinking logically of. I mean, maybe he's starting to kind of calm down. I don't know. A while ago when he turn the car around to go the back road so he wouldn't get caught by the police. Yeah, well. He was logical then, too. It's like, he's really thinking a little logically here, folks. Yeah, it's kind of... that you. It's really hard to be able to say, is it a drug-induced psychosis, or yeah. is this really happening? Yeah, he, he does a few things, and maybe, I mean, I don't know much about drugs. I don't know much about, you know, I don't know much are, about it. But... 
you know, maybe he is in and out of total lucidness. He's the hallucinations come and go, but that just doesn't sound right. You know, seems like the hallucinations wouldn't go until you were out of the drug effects. 12.58 a.m. Neighbor tries calling Brandon three times. Calls do not connect. Also at 12.58 a.m., a passing motorist calls 911 to report Brandon's vehicle blocking the highway. 1.04 a.m., the 911 dispatcher called Brandon back after their call had been disconnected. She leaves a message and attempts to call again. Alright, so it was always my understanding that, like, if you don't answer mm -hmm. during a call back from 911, they, like, immediately had to dispatch an officer to your location. I thought that was, like, boom, that's it. They have to. Okay, so, I don't know how many other places are like this, but at this time that the call was made and all this was going on, 911 calls rang at the local nursing home in Robert Lee. So, what many people don't understand is that in Coke County, 911 calls are answered by local nurses and staff at the local hospital. Then, whoever gets the call over at the hospital calls over to the sheriff's office dispatch and relays the message. And, you know, while the call is hard to understand, many people have said that Brandon sounded distressed. Okay, I'm not, I, I've got to go there. <laughs> so... <laughs> so these professional emergency nine one one situation people. Yeah, the ones that like are supposed freaking, to talk you off of a ledge. Yeah, are they playing the freaking telephone? <laughs> all sit in a circle and whispering each other's name and see what the heck it is when it comes back to the person that started well, it. I don't know, but I mean that's exactly what that crap sounds like. Yeah, that's crazy. Like, yeah. you call the local hospital, tell yeah. them you're you're like nine like freaking nine one one. I, I don't know, maybe most of their 911s are like hospital type stuff where they're like, where they're like all right, don't, don't, don't worry about it. You know, we'll send the ambulance. Um, we're going to have to call up other people. Okay, and I get I don't, that. I don't know. It's just, okay. If that's how, if that's why, if they, if, I just don't get it. Because then why do they even have a sheriff's office dispatch? Yeah. I mean, you like, why do they do sit around and kick the bull? This is like serious elbow or butthole circle. This is insane. It's it's totally unprofessional and totally, totally, totally. It's like going around your elbow to, to get to your butthole and get lost in your belly button. Yeah. <laughs> Insane. It's like trying to take a shortcut through the belly button and getting lost. Oh my god. It's weird. No, and I really, really thought we were redneck. <laughs> I really did. Um No, I mean I feel like yeah. our county's like highfalutin now. Yeah, I mean, well, the day that I had to call that my father had um, passed away, and I'm like, try and tell them, you know, and finally I was like, oh my God, you idiot. It's right around the freaking corner from where you're sitting. Remember the day we had to call for the neighbor? Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, all right, you go flag them down. You go do this. It's insane. And they literally were like, thanks for flagging us down. We would have missed it. No, we live right here on a main highway in the county, and like literally nobody can find us. from where they are, like literally the same road. Yeah, we live on the same road. We're two and a half miles down the same road, and, and they can't get us. here. But I mean, golly, geez, we sound pretty good compared to these people. Yeah, I mean, at least our dish. See, I called. At least called our dish together, and I told Uncle Sam. Well, he called Cousin Joe. <laughs> Joe, Uncle Joe had to call Fred because Fred got struck. <laughs> then he had to come on y'all. This <laughs> this <laughs> Oh, God, we're so getting roasted for this. <laughs> no, this is bad. This is bad. <laughs> Poor Brandon. 
Poor Lord, Brandon. Lord bless him. And no wonder we don't know where the little fella is. <laughs> He's falling around the corner. My gosh. <laughs> I mean, dear God. <laughs> nobody, nobody that he's trying to get help from really has it together. No. Mm -mm. God bless him. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, my Lord. Okay. okay. I can't even do this right now. So we will continue because my head is just like. Whoosh. Mind blown. Yeah. One, <laughs> one ten a.m. A vehicle approaches the scene. Kyle and Audrey have also arrived at the scene at this time. Kyle, the unknown vehicle, ends up actually being a patrol car, and an officer then arrives on the scene to find the truck that the concerned motor is called about. But both of them find Brandon missing. Kyle claims to be on the phone with Brandon at this time. Brandon tells his brother Kyle, you know, he's sitting somewhere at a point that gives him a clear view of the truck. And we've often kind of wondered... And we may get into this a little bit later when we start talking about the drug stuff. But we've often wondered if Brandon really could see Kyle and the officer or if he thought he saw it. If he hallucinated it. But Kyle says he really knows that Brandon is seeing that because he gave Kyle a heads up when the officer was coming saying, One time, run. And this is said to be a code one time, meaning law enforcement, run. And Kyle tells Brandon on the phone, I've done nothing wrong. I'm not going to run. Brandon says to him, where's your pride, mother And then he hangs up on Kyle. Your pride is to stand there and take it like a man when the cops are coming at you. <laughs> I don't get what he has to have pride over. He's coming to save you. And that's what I'm thinking. Kyle ain't done nothing wrong in all this so far. <laughs> Poor fella just trying to keep you from going to jail and bring you a little gas. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But then I did see somewhere where shortly after this, Kyle went to jail or prison or something for some drug stuff. So, oh. I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's why he was telling, telling you to run. You, I don't know. I don't know the life like that. I don't know. I don't know. But anyways. I don't know. Of all the cases we've we've gone over, this one's really confusing. Oh, you I mean, just I still wait. can't. I just can't get past the night. One, one, no matter what I do. So. I know. <laughs> I'm just having a real problem getting on with this thing. Moving on with my life. Yeah. I mean, geez. Because, I mean, seriously, the unidentified car... Ends up a patrol car. Was it his truck? Did he borrow it from his dad to drive to the emergency? <laughs> I mean, in this county, the way this is sounding. Well, I mean, at first the when the vehicle thing. approached, it was unidentified. And then, you know, I guess maybe he didn't have the lights blaring. And then when he got out, it was like, oh, cop, identified the car. When you pull up, you can see the thing um, illuminating in the dark. <laughs> I just said maybe he ain't had his lights on. No, it's um, iridescent. What you call it? Like when light hits it, it's Iridescent. <laughs> Sorry, guys. We've been up for a while today. I need to freaking nap. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the writing on the side of a... The writing on the side of a real patrol car is so you can see it when headlights hit it. Is it really? <laughs> yes. Yes. I haven't seen them that way. I've just seen them with the stickers. I don't ride up and down the road looking for cop cars and shining my lights on them, but, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, I don't know if he's in his daddy's car because it was unidentified, but anyway. For clarification purposes, it was a patrol car. <laughs> yes, drip, man. One twelve a.m. Kyle calls Brandon three times. Calls do not connect. One fifteen a.m. Brandon calls Kyle twice. Calls do not connect. 
We got an issue here. 1.18 a.m., Audrey texts Brandon to tell him the police are still at his truck. 1.19 a.m., Audrey receives a phone call from Brandon. He states that he's 10 minutes up the road and bleeding. Phone pings indicate he walked north away from the vehicle at 1.10 a.m., nine minutes prior to the phone call to Audrey. So maybe that's how he actually got the service to call her. Perhaps. So that's what I was kind of thinking. I was like, wait a minute, why is her phone in such good service? Yeah. Yeah. So, that might explain it. Again, in this span of time, Ladessa misses multiple calls from Brandon. I guess now he knows I've got service again. I'm going to try to call Ladessa. 2 a.m., Kyle and Audrey arrive home. They just, they had to go home. Their son was hungry, and, you know, there was really nothing that he could do. He had to go home and get his son some food. Yeah. 3 a.m., Brandon's phone is either shut off or loses power. Sometime around daybreak, Kyle then picks up a friend to go help him look for Brandon. And they return to Brandon's truck and fill it up with gas. Kyle yells out, there's no cops anymore. And we filled your car with gas. You can come out now. They go up and down the road yelling out for him but cannot find him. So they eventually just go back home. 8.30 a.m. Brandon's truck is towed. 9 a.m. Ladessa reports Brandon missing. Many theories regarding Brandon have been discussed on social media. Some think he left on his own because he had a warrant and maybe he didn't want to pay it or spend time in jail to clear it up. Maybe he left because he no longer wanted to be a dad and a husband. But why call 911 if you're planning a getaway? Yeah, no, that one doesn't Mm -mm. pan through. Something else that was a little fishy. During the investigation, police even became suspicious of Kyle subjecting him to a polygraph test, and others are convinced that it's part of a cover-up with local law enforcement. Like, that's why they want to try to pin it on Kyle. Right. Kyle says that though the police doubted him, he passed two polygraph exams, not one, but two. Passed them completely. And he goes a step further to suggest that the police officer he spoke to all that night should be subjected to a polygraph test. Not a bad idea, Something's going on. Yeah. And I mean, with the theories of all the cover-ups. Hey, everyone. I'm going to interrupt our show for like a quick second, just because I really want to tell you guys about this other podcast that I've been super into listening to. And if you've been following us from the beginning, you're on a week-to-week basis. And, you know, we need our true crime in between. So if you're a true crime junkie, and you just need your fix, or if you're one of the OG true crime addicts, let me introduce you to my friends over at Sword and Scale. They are the OG of true crime addicts. You may think you are, but they truly are. They have been around since 2014 and have tons of episodes for you to binge listen to. They were one of the first original true crime podcasts out there. So, if you're just a weirdo or love a good real-life mystery, go over and listen to Sword and Scale, where the host and creator, Mike Baudet, expertly narrates each shocking episode to fully immerse listeners into a carefully crafted real-life story that proves the worst monsters are real. According to a San Angelo News article, Brandon withdrew from his 401k before his disappearance. This is again confirmed by Ladessa in another article, though she's unaware whether he ever received the money. His last paycheck was direct deposited 
on the night he went missing and Brandon never withdrew that money. That tells me he didn't like start a new life somewhere. Right, right. Even though it, it was just coincidence that it was all at the same area of time. Yeah. Clears that up a little bit. None of Brandon's items, such as his phone, keys, or wallet, have ever been recovered. After helicopter searches, the Coke County Sheriff asserts that there was no sign of a struggle. One spot underneath the tree appeared to have indentation marks. The sheriff said that this is possibly where Brandon crouched to watch Kyle and the officer at his truck. Although some have suggested, like I said before, that he might have been like hallucinating and didn't see it at all. Kyle flat out says no. Like he absolutely had a vantage point where he could see everything because he was able to warn him that a police vehicle was approaching. Yeah, Brandon just seems extremely lucid to me. Yeah, and then, but then he says stuff like Mexicans are chasing me out of town. Or Ladessa got Mexicans to chase me out of town. And I, I mean, like, if he was my brother, I would be like, I, I would, like, search that theory full out before I was just like, yeah, I believe Ladessa. So, I mean, Kyle must really believe Ladessa. Right. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, given his 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 history and his state and their fight they have with and the drugs and everything it, i can see kyle going okay he's just loony and ladessa's right yeah but i don't know there's other stuff he's done that night it's like dude were you in and out of this weird that could have been world? possible too yeah i don't know i mean i don't i don't know how that really works but i do know in some of the theories um i was able to like find a really good article that explained it really well but you know i, I can't retain all that information <laughs> sorry i'm not i'm good but i'm not that good and you know how the area was supposed to be like really open mm -hmm. apparently the place where brandon was crouching the field in question is actually a spot teeming with trees and brush so it would have been relatively easy for brandon to find a hiding spot okay there are so many theories out there when it comes to this case so let's just assume for a minute that the police were involved in brandon's disappearance they could have easily told everyone that no blood or signs of struggle were found and that they never saw brandon along the road or in the field Though Kyle doesn't come out and say it, one possibility is that Brandon stumbled across police officers doing something illegal and they had to do away with Brandon to protect themselves. That would explain why Kyle says they need to be polygraphed. Yeah, it would. Yeah. It would also explain the lack of a crime scene. Think about it. Mm -hmm. If there's no blood, no body, no sign of struggle, no evidence a crime was ever committed, that's going to beg the question, was there a crime? And if there's no crime, the cops can't investigate anything. Case closed. He ran away. Boom. Yeah. So that also kind of makes you want to wonder, were the cops involved in Brandon's demise? I don't know. It, I mean, it... he obviously had run-ins with him in the past. Maybe he didn't. Maybe they had some sort of something going on. Are the cops the ones that had the Mexicans running after him, not Ladessa? And do the Mexicans even exist? I mean, are the Mexicans just people? You know, nothing to do with Mexicans. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. During the 911 call, Brandon refers to something that sounds like scraper or staper. 
In between telling the dispatcher I'm in the middle of a field and my truck broke down, some have suggested that he might have been saying sniper. Or was he trying to say state trooper and garbled his words? Kyle believes Brandon was saying state trooper. Interesting. So let's see. State trooper. State trooper. State trooper? Trooper? Yeah, I can't get sniper out of that. No, but you could get staper. You could get staper. Scraper. Maybe he was slurring his words. Scrape trooper. There you go. I don't know. I don't know. State trooper would, could possibly be, you know. It seems like it would fit. Yeah. But again, this is just one of the many theories. <clears throat> Since Brandon's 911 call was of such poor quality, it's frustrating trying to figure out what he was saying and what, if anything, was happening to him in those moments. Yet, the theories of what happened to him depend largely on that call because, frankly, that's all we got to go on. The first theory was murder. Like a hastily abandoned vehicle, a 911 call placed by the panic-stricken man, and a disappearance... And a disappearance spanning 6.5 years. Yep, definitely sounds like murder. You know, what they say though, never judge a book by its cover. The theory that Brandon was murdered is supported by the following facts. He indicated in the 911 call that he was not alone. He pushed some guys over on both sides. This obviously suggests that he was in the presence of more than one person. He goes on to say in the call that one person was chasing him and another one was doing something in a field, running towards it, perhaps. We may honestly never know. And based on the 911 call, Brandon ran into these people. It's not clear exactly what that means. Some have suggested he physically ran into another vehicle or hit an actual person, but there was nothing found at the scene to suggest either scenario had occurred. Like, there's no damage to the truck, no, you know, roadkill. Yeah. He came up on the people when his car truck ran out of gas or something. I don't know. Yeah. And then, on top of that, he requested the police. He claimed he was bleeding. Mm -hmm. He mentioned to his brothers, Kyle, that the Mexicans in the neighborhood were after him. However, no one knew who he was referring to. And his truck broke down in a desolate area, not a neighborhood. During an interview with Kyle on Crawlspace Podcast, Kyle said Brandon told him, that Ladessa had the Mexicans from the neighborhood chase him out of town. Two were still chasing him, but one had been pulled over by a state trooper. A second voice may have been recorded on the 911 call. I've never been able to hear it. Some people say they have. If Brandon had been murdered, investigators surely would have found blood at the scene, which they didn't. So, it's possible that Brandon was taken by someone and murdered elsewhere. But that doesn't change the fact that Brandon said he was bleeding, but no blood was ever found. Not on the road, not in the field, not in the dirt or in his truck. But yet, it's a big old field. And then you said some of it was a wooded area. It, unless he was really bleeding. You could overlook it. I suppose. Unless you took like bloodhounds. That's true too. That Which seems like a smarter thing to do. I don't know if that was ever done. Well, going back to what we know, the 911 system, you know. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody had a dog in the yard. Come on, honey, we're gonna be bloodhound today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, that's that's the um, model pop shop. 
<laughs> the ones that shop at the hospital and dispatch all in one. Yeah, this is really not oh my God. promising. Okay. I'm telling you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Really makes you a little concerned over the whole situation. Really makes me want to just stay living in like a big city. Good Lord. At least they have dispatch. I feel like we do after this. Oh, that's true. So, let me put it this way. If blood was found, the information was never made public. Makes sense. So, maybe yeah. Mom and Pop's bloodhound did find a little something-something out there in the woods, but let's just slide that on up under the table. Yeah. But that back to doghouse. Yeah, I mean, if somebody wanted him gone, I'm rocking like there was there was blood found at the scene, you guys, but he's not. Nah, he's, yeah. he's fine. If, he ran if, away. If it's a cover-up, no. Nah. No. Nah. You're going to, quote, quote, lose evidence, quote, quote. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Evidence is going to go missing. Yeah. Others think it could have been the voice of someone who stopped to help Brandon. But if the person was just a good Samaritan, why hasn't the person come forward to be identified and interviewed by police? Yeah, some people are like, I don't want to be involved. I'll just drop the fact that, you know, I see this happening and I'm just driving on to miles. At the time of his disappearance, Brandon was once again involved in drugs. His family states this as a fact. He also had an outstanding felony warrant for delivering drugs. So, we can say with relative ease that he was involved with some unsavory people. Did he owe anybody money? Was he a narc? There may well have been a motive for killing Brandon Lawson. If he was a narc, the police may have had to cover it up to save the drug bust operation they're working on. But that yeah. seems kind of far-fetched for... <laughs> what we, Pop yeah, <laughs> what we're working with. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I tried to give you some. I tried to give you some props, guys. But yes, I don't know that that that's a little in depth. I don't. I don't think uh, Fred and Barney down there is <laughs> that in depth. But you know, what can I say? Andy, maybe but Fred and Barney never. That's <laughs> <laughs> It's ain't Mayberry. Amen. <laughs> Mercy. Can't wait to hear the reviews on this episode. <laughs> Number two, he ran away. Brandon had a couple of solid reasons to run away. I mean, my God, there was this felony warrant, which carried a sentence of two to 20 years in prison. That's a big difference, isn't it? Isn't it, though? I mean, like, wow. Like, you know what? We might just think you did it, so here's two. We know you did it. You're getting 20. Yeah. We're not sure, so you're getting 15. Yeah. Come on. that good old judicial system. Ugh. However, he was out on bond. So he was likely looking at some probation time. Time served or a very short sentence. (laughs) Okay. Again, hello. Oh, the courts. (laughs) The court system. But if he was back on drugs and tested positive for a substance in which, you know, drug screenings are always a condition for parole when drug charges are involved, you know? So that could have derailed his chances of merely extending probation and it may have placed him behind bars. Yeah, I got a funny feeling if he's already on probation and they catch him on drugs and... Tripping out like this in the middle of the... Oh, you know. Yeah, yeah, dude, you might have just made your own sentence and it might not be two years. Yeah, no. So... Is it possible that Brandon faked his own death or abduction to escape his legal problems? 
Absolutely. But his family states that Brandon had already done time in state prison and he wasn't fearful of having to go back. Oh, dang, though. The thing is, his family said he was dealing with the felony charge and had an attorney. He wasn't trying to get out of it. He was facing it head on. Also, he would not have abandoned his fiance and his four kids. No one associated with Brandon believes he would have had the heart to do so. I've seen pictures online of him with his kids. Like, there, there's nothing of the... You can't... Only a parent can understand the pure joy on somebody's face when yeah. you see, like, pictures of people smiling and playing with their kids. Yeah. And it's, it's that that I saw on his face. So, that much I know is true. He, he really liked his kids. He loved yeah. them to death. Like, I don't foresee the dad that was rolling around playing with his kids, you know. They'd just be like, all right, bye, I'm done with you. It's not fit. Mm-mm. No. It takes a very different person to completely ditch their children, their family like that. If he disappeared on his own accord, it seems odd that he would take his keys and his wallet and his cell phone with him and keep calling his family, too. Yeah, his ID and his trackable phone. And, yeah. And again, keep calling his family. Yeah. I mean, you know, unless you're like, you know, I thought about running away and then I realized I'm out of gas. So I'm just going to come back now. Yeah, no, that, no. that doesn't. Um... After 3 a.m. on the morning of his disappearance, neither his phone nor his credit or debit cards were ever used again. His keys were rendered useless when his truck was finally towed. It appears that none of the missing items from his truck served him any purpose. And if he was trying to fake his own murder or abduction, it would have made much more sense to leave those things behind. On the other hand, maybe he just always kept those things on him at all times and their absence has little to do with what happened to him. But I also think it's interesting that a man who is supposedly on the run from law enforcement called 911 asking for police. Specifically saying, no, I need the cops. And those are the very people he would have wanted to be avoiding. Yeah. Since there have been no signs that Brandon Lawson started a new life, the logical conclusion, if you believe he's on the run, is that he hid out somewhere and died. Unfortunately, because of the nature of meth, very few of the details of this case make sense. Which brings us to theory number three, meth. So I found, I was able to find this thing in one of our little breaks. Psychological effects of meth. Prolonged use of meth eventually alters the brain's chemistry. Psychological side effects include bouts of paranoia, symptoms of anxiety, memory problems, anger and aggressiveness, and vivid hallucinations. Sign me up. <laughs> like, why? Does that explain a lot about you? <laughs> Shut up. Brandon's brother Kyle has mentioned on numerous podcasts that his brother was a meth user who was high at the time of his disappearance. When Kyle was summoned to Brandon and Ladessa's home after the couple argued, Ladessa told him Brandon was flipping out and tripping. Meth addicts can become highly paranoid and experience psychosis. Their decision-making skills are shot. So, getting behind the wheel of a truck and making a confusing 911 call while high isn't as crazy as it might sound. That part makes sense. It's the coming back to, hey, I think I'll just... Um, go the back roads and avoid the cops. Hey, I'll call my neighbors and you see if they can call Odessa. 
that stuff just popping out of random maybe that's also part of it the hallucination eases up and i think lucidly for a minute i don't know i don't know or maybe we're just reading too much into those little actions maybe maybe we yeah we could all be reading too much into it yeah or it could be you know we just don't know if it's true that brandon was on meth when he ran out of gas he could have been seeing people and things that weren't there he could have been paranoid in general that he was being followed, which, I mean, he had the warrant, so of course he's going to be paranoid, he's, yeah. you know? He could have been making it up. In other words, to Brandon, he might not have been making anything up at all. He fully believed he was being followed by Mexicans. He fully believed he was in a field flanked by people who wanted to do him harm. Maybe he was bleeding, but it wasn't because anyone attacked him. Well, I mean, and maybe the Mexicans came because that's who he buys the drugs from. Well, let's just throw that out there. I mean, that might be why it's, what the heck do poor Mexicans do to this kid? Maybe that's it. Maybe that's who he buys his drugs from. Maybe. I mean, you know, everybody, everybody sells them. No, let's rephrase that. Anybody can sell them. So maybe his Yeah, you might want to rephrase that. <laughs> maybe oh. his dealers are actually Mexican. I feel like FBI is going to be knocking on the doors day after this is released. <laughs> Just to find out we're idiots in, in the bedroom making a recording. <laughs> <laughs> what can I say? In his fearful, paranoid state, it's possible that Brandon wandered off somewhere to hide and succumb to the elements or to a drug overdose. He could have fallen in the river as well. He was near the Colorado River and a bridge. And this sounds bad. Isn't the Colorado River, like, doesn't it have a heavy current? Isn't that one? I don't know why. I thought I that went. was the Mississippi. I don't know about the Mississippi. I don't know why the word I want to say that's one of those that, like, really has a heavy current to it. No, Google it. Hold on. Oh, my God. This thing from MyGrandCanyonPark.com talks about the Colorado River dangers. And it says, we don't want to keep you from going swimming, but the Colorado River is not your average waterway. Every second, thousands of cubic feet of water flow through the canyon, creating massive eddies and rapids. Though rafters are typically safe, there have been several drowning deaths since 1925. Well, I guess there's our question. Yeah, I mean, rapids can get kind of... Um dangerous yeah they can get kind of rough and dangerous you know Mm-hmm. so he may well fell in and drowned for all we know yeah but then again if that's the case where was his body well, i mean if they didn't search the river the river's going to carry it downstream oh well, yeah i mean by now six and a half years later he could be in colorado yeah he i mean he could be anywhere now that's creepy or you know even by the time they said hey you know he's close to the river guys he could be way down there a day or so later. So, what happened to Brandon Lawson? Deputy Neal of Cope County Sheriff's Office thinks he walked back to the highway and got a ride. Law enforcement unanimously reports that foul play was not a factor and believes that a body would have been found if Brandon was still in Cope County. But the Lawsons assert that Brandon never left his family. In fact, Kyle says he knows for a fact his brother never left the area. And explaining how he knows like 100% without a shadow of a doubt that Brandon was in the area, 
He says the noises that sounded like gunshots in the call were actually the sounds of a vehicle going over the bridge over the Colorado River nearby. So, <laughs> what? <laughs> That's a sound of two ships going down the stairs. <laughs> God, I need to go to bed. <laughs> This is what happens when you have to record after the baby goes to sleep. Oh my god. <laughs> You're like, that's actually the sounds of I'm like, oh my god, don't say it again, please. <laughs> oh my, okay, we're almost at the end. Can we please pull it together? I am thinking what's most likely out of all of these scenarios is that in his state, he did fall into the Colorado River. If Kyle is so sure like 100% sure that his brother was by the Colorado River, by the bridge that goes over the river, yeah. he could have tripped and fell in. Totally. I agree. 100%. And, you know, maybe one day, if that's really what happened, he'll wash up somewhere. And in that case, he could already be found and it remains labeled mm -hmm. John Doe in a morgue somewhere. Yeah, sadly, he could, he could very well, that could very well happen. So, the best way to prevent this from happening and be able to officially say that his remains have never been found anywhere is if his family submits DNA to NamUs and a lot of people don't know that they can do this. No, because I had no clue till you were telling me the other day. Yeah, I learned from a friend of mine who is a trace investigator up in DC and he was saying, you know, that it happened with his aunt. Her remains sat in a morgue unknown for 20 years. Wow, that's amazing. Like they found her the year after she went missing and was murdered. They just his family was uneducated about sending mm -hmm. in their DNA. Yeah, that's crazy. No one told him about it. So now he's trying to tell everyone about it. And um, I think you can just go to like NamUs.com and try to figure out how to submit DNA and stuff from there. And that way your DNA will be in their system. And that way when they bring remains in from anywhere, like Washington, Texas, Georgia, Maine, wherever... And they do a DNA swab for them to see who they come up for. It won't be a John Doe. It'll be, hey, this person matched so-and-so. Right. You know, so then you might get an answer. Mm -hmm. Definitely. I, I would do anything to get an answer. Yeah. So, if you guys hear that, I would highly suggest doing it. This case just seems like something right out of a movie plot with twists and turns and everything but it's in fact real life in the beginning this case looked like foul play hands down numerous true crime junkies thought that's exactly what happened like a lot of people were willing to like stake a lot on the fact that that is what happened to him but ever since the crawlspace episode came out it's looking like a completely different ending a missing persons case thought to be a victim of foul play has seemingly turned into a missing persons case fueled by a drug-induced psychosis to the point where in the eyes of the victim he can't even trust what he sees before him and yet we are left to decipher it all. Yeah, that definitely makes the case near impossible to crack, to figure out. To, to anything. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, my best suggestion is if the family actually does hear this is to go to NamUs and see if you can, you know, like just drop 
your your DNA to them because that could help maybe get you guys some answers. Definitely so. And you know, in the meantime, I hope things go well. Thank you for listening to another episode of If I Go Missing. I'm your host, Megan, and I put a lot of thought and hard work into these episodes. I write, edit, and produce them all myself, and it means a lot to me that you guys take the time to listen. If you would like to follow us on social media, our Instagram is at If I Go Missing Podcast. Then we also have our Twitter, and that one is at Megan Noel Pod. If you want to reach out and suggest a case, you can do that on Instagram or Twitter by sending us a DM. We also have a Facebook page called Megan Noel Podcast. And we also have discussion groups for the podcast. And the name of the discussion group is If I Go Missing, a podcast.